Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, this is Marnie Swedberg, and you have joined us today at Marnie's Friends. Excited to have you with us this afternoon for leadership training. Growing your women from sheep to shepherds. Our guest today, Linda Murphy, is going to be sharing with us how to find future shepherds within your existing ministry, how to energize your women's ministry, how to lead a gift-oriented ministry that is passionate spiritually, when it's time to step back and evaluate your ministry for kingdom impact, Three tips on how to equip, support, and motivate sheep to become shepherds. The key in building leadership, when to release your women to become all God intended them to be and do, and how to become the wind beneath their wings. So excited that you've joined us this afternoon. And our guest today, Linda Murphy, has been a director of women's ministries for 14 years in California, director of leaders in Fellowship Together, Lift, in Arizona. And she loves educating and encouraging people in Christ-centered ministry. She's joining us today from her website, lindamurphy.com, L-Y-N-D-A, murphy.com. Welcome to you, Linda. Thanks, Marnie, and thank you for having me here today. Really appreciate it. You bet. Well, it's great to have you today. It feels like we're having a little um, a little leg time here on everything, but that's just how today's going, so hopefully we can just keep it going right on track from here going forward and so excited to have you guys. Do any of you have a leggy type of day today? Maybe, maybe you can just relate to this. What's going on with the switchboard okay. here? <laughs> Very good. So my day has just been flying, and um, one of the things that I really love to do when it's really busy is I really love to tease around with God a little bit and just say, you know, it's your time if that's how you want to spend it, and things that go longer than they should, or maybe in this situation, lagging a little. And I, I like to play with him a little bit and just remind myself um, in God's presence that he's in control of everything. And if it doesn't look like it's going perfectly to me, that's okay because he's got a plan to bring good out of it anyway. Linda, Absolutely. when did you get started with women's ministry? How did that come about? Oh, gosh. I was a new believer, just got saturated in the church, got pulled in my heart. I was looking for direction in my life. And so um, out of the love for the Lord, I wanted to serve him. And gradually through um, a Christian teen camp and speaking and other ministries developed from there. And then I was asked to be um, the women's ministry director for our church. Of course, feeling totally inadequate to do that, but God surely equips those who feel unequipped. So that's how I got pulled into ministry <laughs> and encouraged others from there. The best the best place to start is feeling like we're desperate for God. I think that's always a good place to start. So <laughs> make sure that we're um, we're on the right track from the beginning and we know that we can't do it without him. That's cool. Absolutely. Well, today we're going to talk about a specific aspect of women's ministry, which is the leadership training or how to take uh, women that you know or women that God is bringing to you and take them from just people who sit under the ministry and enjoy the ministry to ones who are actually in leadership positions 
and this is a crying need of all women's ministries and all businesses and everywhere. We're looking for the people who are going to bubble to the surface as leaders. But the phrase I just used, bubble to the surface, sometimes it takes a little more than that to make that happen. <laughs> so we're going to talk That's about right. that today. So, Linda, let's talk first about um, how to find future shepherds within your existing ministry. And you just have some thoughts on this that will be helpful for gals who already have a ministry going, it's established or whatever, and they are looking for people who can maybe step up into leadership positions. All righty. Well, I have to tell you, I remember reading First Peter 5, 2 through 4, to shepherd the flock of the God that is among you, exercising oversight, and, of course, the passage goes on. And anyone who's in leadership and oversees a group of women certainly knows that you are as much called as a pastor would be, and you have a tremendous love for those women. And then to find those that could bubble to the surface, as you said, um, to be um, shepherds. And I also love the verse in the Bible. It says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, for building up the body of Christ. That is the responsibility of the church. It isn't just to oversee. It isn't just to add new programs. It is to build up um, the saints for this work of the service. So I believe a leader's job is not complete until one's followers have taken one's place. And the idea was placed in my heart years ago at a leadership conference. It was a National Women's Ministry Leadership Conference in Portland, Oregon, many years ago. So I believe that my job, like I said, wasn't just to oversee the ministry or grow the ministry, but also to build shepherds leaders within that ministry. And to be honest, in the beginning, when our ministry was smaller, it was much easier to do it myself (laughs) than to spend the time to walk alongside someone else, right? Well, it's kind of like being a parent. Um, When you're training when you're training that four-year-old to sweep or something, you know, I mean, it's much easier to just do it yourself. It's better done. Uh, it's faster. It's less hassle. You don't have any tears involved. You just get the work done and you move on. <laughs> and so I think it's a lot like that when you're, you know, developing um, sheep to sheep, shepherds. You know, it's a lot like that. It is, of course, easier to do it by yourself. You're, you're absolutely right, absolutely. You know, and they, they come in a variety of different ways within your ministry. They either come up through your ministry and you watch them grow, or so you grow them, or you also, they move to your church and they're seasoned through another person's ministries. So mm-hmm. you need to know them. And in both cases, if you grow them, or they come through another ministry, you really need to know them for in both cases. And um, growing women from sheep to shepherd is, as I said, and you said, is time-consuming. But, you know, Jesus did this, didn't he, with his d- disciples. And because of that, his ministry continued for over 2,000 years. So it's pretty exciting when you see something come together. And can I give you a couple examples Oh yeah, that's of growing great. them? Okay, growing them. I had um, a woman uh, in our church who we had just built a massive, well, a gymnasium, a family center, and had a new commercial kitchen. And because we had an administrator in and out of our church at the time, uh, they put the kitchen under women's ministry, which is probably pretty logical. And um, I knew a woman who, uh, her husband, um, they had just recently closed a closed a small coffee shop. 
And um, so I thought, well, she's been in the kitchen and she's overseen this cafe coffee shop that they own. So I asked her if she would consider being a leader and overseeing this kitchen, buying supplies and to be there for memorial services and receptions and whatnot. And she did. She did a great job. One day at a leadership meeting that we were having, she said, well, someday when I grow up, I am going to would like to be a Bible study leader. Well, I filed that away. And when, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and when uh, a larger ministry came along for training, a Bible study training, I sent her off to that. Fortunately, mm-hmm. I had the budget that I could do that. And she was an amazing Bible study uh, coordinator and leader and taught um, Bible study for many years. So I knew she was very bright, and but little did I know if I didn't know her and grew her through that ministry, would we have such a gem. Another example was, uh, you know, a lot of women, and I'm sure your listeners recognize this too, are not going to women's retreats like they used to. And so we noticed the same um, numbers were declining at our retreats, and I had a woman who I knew would be really faithful in if we started a new ministry. She was very organized, and we started our one-day spring conference, which we had many workshops and then a keynote speaker. And Gail did a wonderful job, and by knowing her and knowing her giftedness, of course, um, then we grew her into a new ministry that we developed, and it just the church only benefited. Hmm. Season through another ministry. That. Shall I jump into that one? <laughs> well, let's just talk about this for just a moment because um, okay. I think it's important to understand, too, when you're growing ministry. It is a lot when you're growing shepherds. It is a lot like growing children, and they have different aptitudes. They have different skill sets, and you can't just say, Okay, here here's here's the sheep God gave me and they're all gonna be, you know, Bible study leaders or they're all gonna be kitchen workers. They're all you know, I mean, you have to really like you said, know them. It's so important to know them and to like a parent would, like God does with us, to actually study them and say, Where are your interests, where are your aptitudes, where are your strengths and weaknesses? Absolutely. And we're going to get into, I think, a little bit more of that later on about knowing them and coming alongside them. So, yeah, season through another ministry. Shall we jump into that one? Right. And let's say that again because sometimes on the air it's a little hard to hear words. And what you're saying is seasoned, which means kind of grown up, um, trained through another ministry. Yes, exactly. And hopefully I'm clear, clear enough with my voice here. Um, getting over... Um, bronchitis that a lot of people have had around the country. Anyway, um, it is a statistic that if a mature believer moves to a new area, and we happen to be in the Sierra Nevada foothills in Northern California, to give you an idea, between Lake Tahoe and Sacramento. So we had um, an area where retired people were attracted to come, as well as young families who wanted to get away from the big city. So at one point in time, we really were as considerably a fast-growing area, and we had people coming in who were seasoned in ministry. And one example, and it's more or less a negative example, and then I'll go to a positive one if I could do that, is we had a woman that was at a smaller church down the street and, of course, heard about all the exciting programs that were going on. And she walked into my office one day with a proposal, made an appointment, and we sat down with a proposal of what she would like to teach and do. And I said, well, this is very interesting. I would like to know more. But first of all, 
in a position like this, you would need to uh, be a member of the church. We don't allow just someone to teach unless you uh, align with our doctrinal statement. And some churches don't do that, but that's what we did at the time. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, um, she came in. I kept looking for her in church. Um, Of course, we had several services, so that didn't mean that she was not there. And then showing up at some of our events that we had, her Bible study, and she never did. So she came in a little bit later. Again, she was a woman seasoned through another ministry and said, Linda, can I ask now? And I said, well, you know, it's interesting because when you were here before, I did say membership, but I also mentioned to you about the fellowshipping with us and being a part of this body. And I haven't seen you at any events. Have you come to any of the women's events? And she said, no, I haven't. And um, so a few months later, we're in staff meeting, and um, our youth pastor said, you know, this family had left, this, this woman and her husband and children had left the church. And he said that she had come in and proposed an opportunity for his ministry. And the children's ministry director said the same thing in staff meeting, and I slapped the top of the table. And I said, you're kidding me. She came in to me and gave a proposal as well. So season through another ministry, are they members of the church? Are they faithful attenders? Do they attend Bible study? Are they trustworthy and growing spiritually? Do they have a yielded spirit? You know, so those are things, of course, you look for for a person who's new. Uh, And, of course, they want to get involved. If they have a heart for service, you'll lose those people. If you don't connect them within six months, they'll move on and find ministries elsewhere. And you want to grab them if they're, you know, if their heart's right. And uh, Barbara's an example of that. Can I share you with Barbara about Barb? Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, Barbara came from Southern California to Northern California with her husband, and I was having a leadership training actually at church this day. And Barbara saw she had not been to the church, but she had heard about it. So it's a little off the beaten path. And she saw the cars in the parking lot, and she pulled in, and she followed the female voices, and we were having, happened to have a break. And she asked about the ministry there and who was in charge and what we were doing. And she said, have you had a women's retreat? And I said, yes. And who's your speaker, she asked. And so anyway, I got to know her, and I could tell that she had a heart for service and had done very seasoned in ministry. And I said, you know what? I'm giving a leadership luncheon for the women and their spouses on Easter Sunday. It's going to be a brunch at my house. People can come and go between and after different services. And I'd love for you to help me in the kitchen. (laughs) And she did. She helped me in the kitchen, and she's great plate. She got to meet a lot of our great women. And then um, she replaced the food that was needed to be replaced, and the women got to know her. But I got to see a servant's heart, and then I mm-hmm. knew that she was trustworthy. So there's just ways to check out someone who has the right attitude in serving and ministry. I love that example of, you know, you first of all, your church and your ministry had kind of parameters set up to begin with. You didn't just you can't just walk in and get a leadership position. You know, you have to make sure you're aligned doctrinally and you have to show up and, you know, actually be there. But I love the last thing that you did there, which is a little less obvious, which is to invite them to serve. 
and see how that goes because it's so true that there are some people who really just really are limelight people and they don't they don't do the servant leadership thing and it's important uh-huh. for you to know that and it may be who God has for you nevertheless but you need to know that in advance going in before before you assign them a position that's later difficult to um, difficult to get them out of or difficult to do without a lot of drama and and that's great. So this is Marty Swedberg we're visiting today with Linda Murphy. Her website is lindamurphy.com, L-Y-D-A, murphy.com. And we're going to come right back and talk about how to energize your women's ministry. Okay, right now we're going to talk about coaching. It's today's time for Marty Minute um, feature and we're talking on coaching options for you over at Marnie.com. So first of all, if you need a couple minutes of one-on-one time with me, just book a permanent coaching session at Marnie.com. I love coaching goal-getter girls like you who are somehow stuck or unclear about your next step. And most times a 5 or 15 minute session is all that's needed to get you unstuck and back on track. So you can check that out under permanent coaching with Marnie at Marnie.com. And my name is spelled M-A-R-N-I-E. Also, each month I host a group coaching program for the members and guests of Marty.com. That program includes a workbook and private group coaching page at Facebook as well as daily email coaching notes. It's a great way to break a habit, make a new habit, or complete a big project in just 21 days. Also, my favorite days of the 21-day wins are the member breakthrough days when they all of a sudden realize something or achieve something they've been trying to do for a long time. Or else day 21, of course, is really a fun day. Uh, yesterday was day 21 this month, and we just had so much fun celebrating the amazing progress that the members made this month, so you can check that out. Also at Marnie.com, and finally, but not least, um, if you have been thinking about pursuing a success coach certification and becoming a success coach yourself, you can check out the SPI. SPI stands for Success Principles Intensive Coach Certification Program, also available at Marnie.com. All this and more is available to you anytime you have time over at Marnie.com, M-A-R-N-I-E.com. And so I look forward to seeing you over there after the show. Okay, Linda, let's get back to you. And let's talk a little bit about energizing your women's ministry. First of all, um, it's not just self, it's not automatic that it stays energized, is it? No, not at all. (laughs) No, it isn't. Um, to cre- you need to create times to dream with your team. And, you know, you think of a leader as the, the d- dream setter and the vision visionary and, and whatnot, but that's not necessarily the case. If you have a great team, you need to dream with them. And it's amazing the new ideas that come up that are fresh and progressive and kind of out of the box. They may not all work, but through carving it out and discussing it, of course, um, that energizes your women's ministry. And then Find out what their vision is, not just for their area of ministry, but maybe for the whole women's ministry or even for the church. And those are things that you can take back if you're on staff or whatnot with with the church. But to really get a feel where the needs are, they're amongst the the flock as well, not just you. And they have some great um, points and ideas to bring to the table. Then finding out the needs within the church is one way to energize the women's ministry, asking questions like, who are we missing and why are we missing them? 
And what about working women, which happened when I was on staff at church? We were missing the working women. They couldn't come. We had to offer programs in the evening and not big time chunks either. They had to be limited. And our mom's program, um, we were missing a lot of homeschool mothers. Interesting, Marnie, that our area was the largest per capita in the state of California of homeschoolers at one time. Wow. I don't know if it still is. Yeah. So we thought, hmm, now how can we bring in the homeschool moms and the homeschoolers? So we knew first off they were students. <laughs> they wanted quality programs for their kids. They wanted quality programs for themselves. And we wanted to set it up that it was not babysitting, that moms had to be on campus as well. And mm-hmm. I remember, you know, as we carved this out, we already had a preschool program in place, which was perfect. Then all we had to do was fill in the gaps, the first through third grade, the fourth through sixth grade. And then the junior hires in high schools went, can I mention a, a ministry? Is that legal? A precept ministry. Okay. We had precept ministry. And so um, doing the inductive study. And so we had our junior hires and high, high schoolers do that right alongside with their moms. So that was where we were missing. By brainstorming and carving that out, we came up with some um, new ideas of what we could offer, what we were missing in our ministry. I love that. We sure saw that locally here, too, where... Um, when some of the newer people or younger gals came in and we would just open it up to brainstorming or ideation or whatever you want to call it, uh, it's just incredible. They can look at, they, they just have such fresh eyes. And they've seen something else maybe done in a whole different setting, but they want to try it with the women's ministry. And it just is so much fun and different and really, like you say, just gives it a little... Um, spark that hasn't been there. I think the other beautiful thing about that is that when someone newer is given um, encouragement like that, there's a there's a much greater level of ownership for them. They really feel oh, like yeah. they are a part and like they've been valued. Absolutely. Oh, you're right on for sure. And that is a spark for within your ministry right there when you do that. Yeah, it really does. And then, of course, the other thing, the other thing that we like to do a lot is to um, do things that do programs that involve a lot of women. So whether they decorate their own table or whether they have a part in a skit or whatever it is, the more women that you can get involved in any kind of a program where they can invite their friends, the more likely a they are to invite their friends, and b that their friends will come. Uh, it's one thing for your friend to say. Um, I'm going to this thing at my church. You want to come with me? It's another thing for her to say, I'm doing this again tonight at, our, at my church. You want to come with me? And, and it just allows your gals to have something that's really a nice ticket item to offer their friends and to get them out as well. So it just does really work well to involve the women in any way that you know seems reasonable and that's possible. Now, one of the things to, of course, think about, we mentioned it a little bit ago, but to to lead with gifts in mind so that you're not just um, sticking people in the wrong spots, and that's kind of a chaotic way to do ministry. So talk to us about uh, leading a gift-oriented ministry. Oh, wonderful. I, I love that. That's my thing. <laughs> I remember when <laughs> Pastor pulled me up. <laughs> it is my thing. 
past told <laughs> asked what the success of the ministry was at the time, and I said, not it isn't me. I said, I feel like an orchestra leader. I wave my baton, and all of these people play their beautiful instruments, and that is what mm-hmm. it's like when you have a gift-oriented ministry. Um, and knowing they have to have a way to process knowing spiritual gifts and matching that within their passion and their giftedness. And, of course, who did it better than Rick Warren in The Purpose Driven Life or 40 Days of Purpose <laughs> writing the book. Um, and I love his um, acrostic outline shape, connecting a person with their spiritual gifts, their heart, their ability, their personality, and, of course, life experiences would be the E in that. And I've written a book recently myself, and I call it The Light, because in Matthew 5, 16, it says, Let your light shine before men in such a way they will see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And so light would stand for, of course, life experiences. I would be your interests. G in light would be gifts and or your heart and then H would be heart or your passion, and then T, your temperament. And all of that, when you can find somebody and fit them within a ministry, if you're trying to build a leader, it, it's, it's, it's magic. No, it's the Holy Spirit. It's God at work uh-huh. in their lives. And they become passionate spiritually. Huh. I love it. Light, life experiences, interest, gifts heart and temperament that is that is a great acrostic that's really cool um so how do you do you have like an assessment that you guys have used to help identify some of these things out Absolutely. Um, we've used a variety. Um, I, Leadership Network was offering um, assimilation, lay mobilization. I was doing giftedness and matching within women's ministry. And so they sent me to a, a national training for uh, spiritual gifts and, and matching. And we did it for the whole church. And I headed that up for a while. So there are a variety of assessments, and Marnie, you know as well as I do, there's many online now that people can find what their spiritual gifts are by taking an assessment. What I always say, it is just an assessment. It's only an indicator because really the best way to find your gifts is trying them out within the ministry. And a spiritual gift assessment is only as good as the person who writes it. You know, only the Holy Spirit could give the gift. We just have to figure out what it is. But it is the spark. It really is that lights a fire in someone when they know that they are gifted and good at something, even though they may not have confidence they could step out on faith when they are matched that way. Oh, I love that. I remember I remember taking the first spiritual um, gifts test that I ever took. I was 18 years old, and I remember how eye-opening it was. It was just like, wow, <laughs> that's amazing. And then uh, through the years, done a lot of study of it, and just I loved the the one author, and I can't remember who it was, but the one trainer who had said, your goal is to is to confuse everybody. In other words, that um, even though you have these spiritual gifts that God is so active in your life that people have a hard time to exactly pin down what your spiritual gifts are because you just look like you've got them all. And I love that. I love that assessment. <laughs> but it, it's so true. It's so true that we have these um, God-given aptitudes and interests and gifts that when they're plugged in to ministry, 
it is a beautiful thing. Oh, absolutely, it is. It's beautiful to see as a leader. Actually, it, it touches my heart and warms my heart because they become they come alive, and um, in in their walk with the Lord, you know, in their walk with Christ, it's beautiful and. That makes them passionate spiritually, too. I'd like to talk a little bit about being passionate spiritually um, when a person's on fire for the Lord um, and their life is characterized by joy. You know, the definition of passion is in enthusiasm. The definition is enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. It comes from the Greek phrase entheos, meaning with God. And passion is what God gives to enable us to persevere in ministry. You might have somebody matched with the right gift in the right ministry in leadership, but what has them persevere in when times get tough is that passion and that love that they have for Jesus. It's the glue to have the people persevere when things get difficult. And we know that people can be difficult, even, yes, Christians within the church. If a person's passion spiritually, they strive to know God, and so they can persevere from a place of fullness. And, of course, that fullness, you know, the bottom line is knowing the Bible and confession or purity and fellowship with other believers and prayer. And they're dependent on the Holy Spirit. And a person who is passionate spiritually gives the glory to God for their ability and their calling and their passion, because we know we can't do that within ourselves. It comes from God himself, from the hand of God. Beautiful. I love that. I love that. And it reminds me about um, burnout. And I, I always was so interested, you know, how how ministry leaders would burn out. And then um, I heard it was um, John Burnham, I think, was the trainer, and he had talked about how there are two different times when you burn out in a, in a God-given ministry. So number one is that you've quenched the fire of God. So that God mm-hmm. is still, his flame is burning strong with you uh, for that ministry, but you are quenching it somehow. Either you're doing it yourself or, you know, you, you're holding bitterness or something. Something's there that's quenching the fire of God inside of you. But the other way that you burn out is that God actually removes his lamp from that ministry for you in order to move you to something else. And so it's important as a as a leader to uh, watch for that in your team as well. Watch for it in yourself, but watch for it in your team as well. Um, when the lamp seems to be going low, is it because is it because it's time for that person to move on or is it because there's something there that you can help them get back on track with God? Well, this is Marty Swedberg visiting today with our guest, Linda Murphy of lindamurphy.com. So Linda, L-Y-N-D-A, Murphy, M-U-R. H-Y.com. We're going to come right back and talk about when it's time to step back and evaluate your ministry for kingdom impact. We'll be right back. Okay, well, it's time for the WomenSpeakers.com Feature of the Week. And today's speaker is Marsha Linsky of Chicago, Illinois. You want to be sure to check out her profile over at womenspeakers.com, including her bio, favorite talks, recommendations from people who've heard her talk, and more. And if you're an event coordinator or speaker booker, be sure to check out all the great speakers. There are now over 1,000 speakers available to you. Uh, There's no middleman, no waiting, no fees, completely free for you to search anytime, day or night over at womenspeakers.com. 
And you can check that out again at womenspeakers.com. Okay, and our guest today, Lynn Murphy, is also a speaker over at womenspeakers.com. And so I hope you will check her out. She's, of course, in the California area, and you can learn more about her there as well as at her own website, lindamurphy.com. Linda, let's go ahead and talk about when it's time to step back and evaluate your ministry for kingdom impact. Good topic. I don't think we do this frequently enough. My son-in-law just took a pastorate in about an hour and a half distance from us. He was out in Michigan. And um, he is looking around the church and trying to figure out ministries and, and evaluating for himself what has lost its purpose and what um, needs to be refined. And so, you know, sometimes we within ministry maybe have developed something, so it's our baby, our passion, whatever. Um, but I think we need to evaluate frequently and at least annually our ministries. Every year I reviewed the churches in Revelation, myself, just sitting in my office reading Revelations, the first few chapters, mm-hmm. and asked the same questions of our women's ministry that are there. Have we lost our first love in a particular area? Is there something unhealthy in a particular area of our ministry, and what can we do about it? That was just between me and God as I read his word. So I'd ask questions um, of myself and of the team when we get together. Where are we missing the mark in our ministry? Are we? Um, Another thought there is do programs and structures fulfill their purpose? You know, one of the common mistakes that most people make within any leadership, any corporate or within the ministry, is we have a tendency to survey uh, programs and not people. For example, for an example there, um, I remember when I did the first survey, and oh boy, I thought I was so proud of my survey, and are you going to the women's retreat? Do you attend Bible study? Have you been to our morning break? Have you done this? Have you done that? We knew the numbers who were there. We didn't need to survey our programs, but to survey Um, people. What are the needs? um, So I think that's a really key point. Um, Another uh, thing in evaluating your ministry, is the ministry increasing in numbers or diminishing? And then asking your questions, why? Then fast growth. Adding too many programs and spreading your people too thin, and end up, you, know, you end up competing with one another, and that's exactly what we have happened to us. I think I shared with you our church was very fast growing at one time, and we realized, like the high school retreat, snow retreat, would come about the same time as our women's retreat. Well, you and I know, Marnie, that a mom is going to put the money down for her kid to go to high school retreat, but would defer and not go herself. And so we were spreading our people too thin financially and physically. So we added more and more programs. And I know a church in California that just leveled their ministry programs back down to Bible study and then started rebuilding again. So how to evaluate your ministry for kingdom impact? You need to annually analyze you know, just slice it. Sometimes you need to prune. What does the Bible say about pruning? The pruning takes place so you can bear more fruit. And that's what we are afraid to do, I think, sometimes in ministry, don't you? Absolutely. And it's so critically important. I was thinking about womenspeakers.com, um, who is a sponsor for this radio show, but it's also 
um, the ministry that I direct. And uh, over there, three times in the past, what it's been probably close to 15 years now, three times we've either burned it to the ground and built it from scratch or else we've done radical sweeps and just wiped out, you know, large number of speakers and just said, you know, you can reapply again, but let's just make sure that we're on track here with the speakers that are supposed to be here with what the direction that God wants us to go. And those things are hard to do. I know each time I've done it, it's been like terrifying, really scary. But the result is greater growth. The result is a, a better, I'm going to call it a product, but actually just you're situated in a better situation. God has moved you from one place to another with your willingness to, you know, like you said, level and rebuild. Well, and I've watched your ministry grow. I've been with you for quite some time. And so I've yeah. seen the websites change, and I've seen how you've carved out. And I don't know how much you pull back, but I remember at one uh, women's ministry leadership training retreat I had, I had a, um, a garden apron. I had my pruning gloves on. I had pruning shears. And I don't, Marnie, an old book by Daisy Hepburn, How to Grow a Woman's Ministry. Are you familiar with that mm-hmm. one? No, I'm anyway, not. I thought I'd read them all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's an old one. Um, the roots, of course, are in Jesus Christ. The trunk is right. your elders or your, the male leadership within your church. And then the branches are your areas of ministry, um, whether it be special event branch or Bible study branch, um, fellowship, whatever. And then you have the twigs off the branch. And so I had drawn out the whole ministry, a big tree, on, had it on an easel. And I sat in my living room with all my leaders around the room and with my pruning shears on, and everyone was fearful. But <laughs> 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 the way we did it, and... <laughs> was we um, we have to have ministry descriptions. And is the ministry meeting its purpose? Is it defined? Do you have ministry descriptions? So important. Is it an outreach? Is it for seeker-sensitive? Is it seeker-targeted? Is it for your own women building up the saints? Um, is it for fellowship? So you need to know the bottom line of what each ministry does. And then by evaluating with your team, um, they know also job descriptions. That's what I wanted to say. Job descriptions are so important for people, too, if they're overseeing a ministry. If you're going to ask somebody to take over a ministry or be a part of it, they want to know what they're committing to. And when I went as the followed the founder of Lift Leaders in Fellowship Together, which was that statewide organization in Arizona, wonderful organization for anyone who's uh, living in that area. For ministry leaders, they equip and encourage leaders. But there were not any job descriptions, and there weren't really defined ministry descriptions. I followed the founder, and it kind of grew up around them. And I think there's a time that we need to step back and write job descriptions and define the purpose of the ministry. And then, of yeah, course, you always it, need it. It is really it, helpful. It is, yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, evaluate with your team and build your relationship with your leaders. It, evaluation is important, not just for the ministry, but for you as a leader. And I think coming alongside and evaluating each leader, not 
knowing or having them feel that they're being monitored, but also we need to be vulnerable and open. So you can model for them to not be defensive, that you care about the greatest good for the body and for kingdom impact. So also evaluating not only your ministry, but evaluating your leaders to encourage and equip them as well. So great. I was thinking about the point you mentioned earlier, too, about the calendar and not overbooking it. It's interesting because what really works great is if you have, for example, if you set that every year in whatever March, you're going to have your women's ministry retreat, and you do that consistently. But keep that in an open hand. uh, Last year, for the first time, and I think we've been doing Bible study expos for, I don't know, nine years or something. That's a long time. And every year we've done them in the spring, except last year. Last year, the dates that we could do them in the spring, every author that we would get a hold of that we wanted to interview for the Bible Study Expo wasn't available on those dates. It was like just, it was almost unanimous. And I was like, whatever, what do you do now? And so we just picked a date in the fall, I think it was in August, and we pitched those same authors and all of them could come. So sometimes you just have to say, okay, for whatever reason, this time we're going to do it differently. And to just say, I love Elizabeth Elliot's definition of humility. She just says humility is flexibility. And you just let God just lead hmm. you around. You know, I always say he leads me around with a nose ring, you know. You just don't want to get too far off. When somebody's got your ring in your nose, you know, you want to really just stay right close and right with them on track because it's going to be really painful if you get off track. So just know that sometimes you have you do something a little out of the box or a little differently. And, of course, you're going to have people saying, oh, shoot, we really liked it the other way or whatever. Um, that's okay. Just go with, go with God and let him orchestrate that and continue to look, you know, what is the time to do? Is it time to change the calendar? Is it time to reduce things? Is it time to grow things? All of these things. I love, I love how you, you know, just encourage us to step back and evaluate or reevaluate what's going on. And with the um, women's ministry uh, survey too, there's a template over at Marnie.com in the in the shopping cart there that thousands of women's ministries around the world have used. It's really an, a great tool if you want to actually survey your women and find out where their hearts are, where their interests are, where the needs are. It's, it's got many, many, many things there. You can either do the full, the full like, three-page one, or you can narrow it down to a one-page one, and you can get some very helpful information. Well, this is Marnie Swefford visiting today with our guest, Linda Murphy of lindamurphy.com, L-Y-N-D-A, lindamurphy.com. We're going to come right back and talk about some tips how to equip, support, and motivate sheep to become shepherds, the key in building leadership, and when to release your women to become all God intended them to be and do. We'll be right back. Okay, this is Marty. I wanted to just take a couple seconds and bring you up to date on what's coming next. So first of all, our February win starts next Wednesday. You want to register for that over at Marnie.com. Free for members, non-members, 99 bucks, or you can join and get them for free. Okay, the 21-day win is where you get to replace a habit or else finish a project in 21 days with our group coaching session. Also coming up, February 
23rd. We're going to do Vision Mission Boot Camp, and hope you can come to that. Uh, there's an early bird special going on right now, so check that out over at Marnie.com, and also the Bible Study Expo. 2016 Bible Study Expo is coming up on March 17th online. You're going to put, a, put that on your calendar and join us. we got great authors coming, and next we'll have it all finalized for you by next week and have that um, the posters and the bulletin inserts and all of that will be ready to go by next week. So check that out at BibleStudyExpo.com. And finally, if you're praying for me while you brush your teeth, thank you for that. And I encourage you to keep doing that. And you can put on your prayer list. Um, I'm preparing right now for a Kenya trip, uh, Africa, in April. And I appreciate your prayers for me as well as for the team that's hosting me there. We're doing um, major women's conferences as well as two um, business women's conference while we're there. So thanks for your prayers. And love that you hang out with me on Wednesday afternoons or wherever you listen around online or download it after that. Okay, Linda, let's go ahead and talk about the three tips on how to equip, support, and motivate sheep to become shepherds. Oh, Marnie, thank you. That's a great topic, too. And, you know, I'm listening to this, and I you do so much for women in ministry, and you're such a, an amazing resource. And I thank you for that, because I know when I started out, I was at a loss where to find the resources I needed. And I'm sure your survey far exceeds the first one I ever did. So <laughs> that would be wonderful for women to do that. So I want to thank you for your ministry. Now to answer your question, oh, yeah. three tips on how to equip, support, and motivate sheep to become shepherd. And it's, you know, it's really pretty simple. It goes back to our basic human need for love and acceptance. And so when we know that, that everyone needs that love and acceptance. Everyone wants to make a difference. Everybody wants to have value and worth. And everyone needs and responds to encouragement. So that's so key. Knowing these three things will help you understand how to motivate your sheep to become shepherd. And the number one hindrance, of course, is fear of failure. I remember a gal came into my office, Jackie. She had just come back from back east visiting a friend, and she had a ministry idea. Of course, she didn't want to teach it, but she had this idea, and she said it was really working and um, in their church, and the women loved it. And so she came in with her enthusiasm and showed me the book, and don't you think we should add this to our ministry? And I said, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it sounds good. And it looks like it's pretty solid. I said, you know who should teach it, don't you? <laughs> and she said, oh, not me. I said, oh, yes, you're the one. <laughs> and um, the fear of failure um, is the biggest hindrance, of course, for women stepping out and walking. If you walk beside them and say, you know what, we're not here to help, to see you fail. We're here to help you. Through this, we'll walk right beside you. And so if the person is gifted and called, then all they need is some encouragement and they can step out on faith. So that's part of growing them that I started out with. I love this quote by uh, Benjamin Desiree, that's what it is, and you may even know it yourself. The greatest good you can do for another is not to share your riches, but to reveal to him his own. And uh, so, yeah, 
I love that. To equip, support, and motivate your sheep to become shepherds. So here's some three tips to equip and support your, your sheep to become shepherds. Number one, give praise publicly and privately and write them notes of praise and appreciation at least a couple of times a year. Just a handwritten note, those good old-fashioned, you know, handwritten notes that you put in the mail mean a lot. Of course, you can text it too, but there's just something about that extra effort when you do that. Then valuing the differences on your team. I remember sitting with my team leaders, my core leaders, and um, we were sitting around the table, and we had two that clashed. But by by giftedness, by personality, we it made for a balanced team. So value the differences on your team, and then let the team feel heard so that they know that what they are doing is being valued. And then, of course, build confidence into them. Figure out what they're good at and then give them praise for it. So that would be my answer, I think, to equipping, supporting, and motivating is for them, everyone wants to make a difference. Everyone wants to have value and worth, and everyone needs and responds to encouragement. Cool. What is the key to building leadership? The key, one simple word, (laughs) relationships. And you know that, too, as well as I do. But I think sometimes we get so involved if we are a key leader in programs and, and, you know, that we forget the relationships are so important. There is no formula other than loving God and loving others. Ask God for sincere love for your women. If your encouragement is not sincere, it is just a motivation tool, and it feels like manipulation, and it will work against you. You really have to love the women. It has to be sincere, not to, to get more out of them or whatever. But I've seen that. I've seen that in other ministries and other leaders, and it, that really bothered me. Know them well. Be interested in the whole person, not just what they're doing within your ministry, the ministry, but how's their family, how's their health, um, their children, knowing your chil- the children's names. If you have to write them down on your iPhone, then, then do that. But remember those important key things, and they know that you really care about them. And then, of course, pray for them on a regular basis. Work up close and personal. Talk to them and ask questions. You know, and some, Marnie, some of the best ministry recruits I have found is just walking around and hanging out with them. Um, I remember when I was on staff at church, um, on our Bible study day, we had many different rooms, topical studies and different kinds of studies going on in Bible studies. And But I'd go down to the nursery and talk to the nursery workers. I'd work my way down the hall and talk to the leaders before a study started and with the women. So just hanging out with them, not just spending time isolated in your office, but being a part with them and making yourself available. So I think that's really important to build key leadership is is relationships. Know your women. Know your leaders. Well, and it's exactly that part of leadership that's really loving them and living with them and knowing them and being involved with them and caring for them that makes it difficult to release them when God calls them to do something different. What is your word of encouragement or help for the leader who says, I just have a hard time letting them go when they when they're supposed to do something different than work with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's honest. Um, you know, I think it's become easier um, as time's gone on. 
isn't that what we do with our children? We raise them to be independent and make good decisions and choices. And I remember sitting back with one woman, well, several women, that have taken some amazing roles in, in ministry, not with necessarily within our church, but other roles. And I sit there like a proud parent and, and mm-hmm. just am so heartfelt that I had a small piece in their life to help them build confidence, but you have to trust them and release them. And I think that's, it isn't always easy, but it is what God does with us. He gives us free choice, free will, but he wants us to continue to love them. And that's what we do with our women, too, once they have kind of flown the coop, I guess you'd say, left the nest, <laughs> uh, is one of the loving them. Right. Go ahead. One of the things that I always encourage people to do, whether it's releasing your children as they grow up, whether it's releasing someone you've nurtured or mentored, whether it's, you know, releasing a phase or season in your life, whatever it is, I just really encourage you to go ahead and just experience the grief of that loss because you really, sometimes we just get so, um, we just want to trust God so much and be so at peace about everything and, and faithful that we actually kind of run, you know, roughshod kind of right over some of those emotions that God actually wants us to feel. He wants us to experience godly grief, which is not like a worldly grief. A worldly grief is hopeless. When someone dies and goes to hell, that's a hopeless, sad grief. But there is this godly grief that a Christian experiences when we say, yeah, we've lost that season of our life. We've lost that friend or we've lost this person in our ministry that we won't get to work beside every day now anymore or whatever, but we have hope because God is going to bring good out of that. God is going to do something different there. And so to just go ahead and allow yourself to feel sad for a couple of minutes, even if you're happy for them, you still are experiencing a loss. You're experiencing, you know, the loss of your right hand down or whatever it is. And go ahead and let that be what it is. Give it to God. You know, the pull up your vessel thing where you just release it and ask him to replace that sadness in your heart with whatever he wants to give you. And it's amazing when we do that, how he will bring peace. He will bring joy even where we're sad or trying to, you know, be happy for them or whatever it is. I also think it's cool to watch God move your ministry around based on who he brings in and who he takes out. In our um, community here, we've had seasons where as a church, we've had great major event producers where, you know, we've brought in huge events for the whole community and then those people moved away and we really didn't have a replacement for that. But that's okay because God brought somebody else in that had a major music ministry or, you know, whatever it is. Let God orchestrate the ministry and let him allow it. um, uh, You need to allow him to change it as he sees fit. So it's not always going to look the same. It's going to grow up. It's going to morph a little bit. It's going to be different and to just hold that with an open hand. Um, As you're doing that, Linda, as you're allowing the ministry itself to change as well as the women you're working with to change, how do you become the wind beneath their wings in order for them to accomplish all that God created them to be and do? Good point. Um, Yeah, again, it's a little bit of what we just talked about for sure. Um, Releasing and then being there and being available to them. I might want to make a comment on that for a point that we just were talking about. You know, I've had women come in because of the age of their children and say, and they're fearful actually to come in and say, I can't do this anymore. I need to be home with my children. 
and to graciously release them and say, if you have lost your family, you have lost a lot. You know, you can be out saving the world, but your home is what God has called you to at this point in time. There'll be time for you to come back within the ministry and serve again. God will have you in a different place at a different point in time. But just be that encouragement that it's okay that God is moving them. And, yeah, the first thing in my mind is, go, oh, great, now I have to look for somebody to fill that spot. But also it gives them the freedom to be really what God, their priorities in order and God has called them to be. And then continuing that, to be the wind beneath their wings, to be that available resource person for them, um, to be a problem solver if you need to be. But that means if you're a shepherd leader, you need to be one step ahead of the sheep. You need to be well-read. You need to have your ear to the ground as far as ministry, the seasons of what's going into ministry, and you don't want them to be tethered to you. You really do want to release them, as Jesus did his disciples. He did, and he left this world, and he left this world in good hands. Mm, yeah, that's so great, and I think it is just so important to remember that in the spiritual realm, you are a spiritual parent to many people. As a women's ministry leader, the gals that are under you kind of look up to you as a, you know, as a mother figure in Christ even if you didn't lead them to Christ, you still have this responsibility to either be a big sister or a mother. And I always say, you know, everybody's leading someone. When people asked when I started mentoring women, I looked back to when I was 11 years old and started teaching four-year-old Sunday school. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And at that point, I started mentoring women because those little four-year-olds grew up into women. And so, you know, you just never can say, nobody's watching me. I'm not leaving anybody. Of course you are. You really are. And it's important for you to just recognize that you actually are the wind beneath somebody's wings, if you will be. And either you're going to be that, otherwise you're going to clip their wings, or you're going to kick them out of the nest too soon, or whatever. We need God. We need God to help us with this so that we can do this in the right time in the right way. Well, Linda, do you have one more final thought for us today? I I really don't. I just encourage women who are trying to develop their women's ministry and have women become shepherds to really understand completely the spiritual gifts because you can see them played out right in front of you. Mm -hmm. In fact, at one leadership meeting, we had an argument um, break out. One woman said, no, 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 what we need is is a a mom's program. Another one said, no, we need more outreach. And I started getting a little tight, uptight and thinking, what's going on here? You know, we're having a little bit of an outbreak in this room. And then I realized, I said, ladies, are you hearing it? And they said, hear what? I said, you're hearing spiritual gifts. You're hearing a passion that they have. And so I think understanding our uniqueness within ministry and our giftedness, our personalities, it all works together, and when it does, it's beautiful. Mm, so, so true. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Linda. I appreciate you and your ministry. I appreciate you and your ministry, Marty. Uh, thank you. And, you guys, thank you for being here. I can't have a radio talk show without listeners, and I'm so grateful that so many of you come live every week and put us on the front page of Blog Talk Radio as well as all of you who listen at Stitcher and iTunes and afterwards around the web 
on the syndicates and in um, in the download boxes there. So grateful to you. And just now, I want to thank you for joining us today. And I'll meet you over at Marty.com for more great stuff like this. Have a great day. Bye-bye. <laughs> 